Well, <clears throat> if there's, uh, I, I just want to push into uh, this this week and next as we prepare for uh, prepare for Easter. I want to touch on the issue of having to wait in terms of life and circumstance, in terms of dreams, hopes, even in terms of kingdom expectation that God might be putting on our lives. Things that maybe God's been whispering to us and has whispered to us many years ago and on many occasions and still continues to whisper them to us. And we find ourselves in these places of transition where God has said, here is my kingdom plan and purpose for you. And then he invites us to partner with him in the waiting for that to come. God doesn't sort of say, there you go and leave you to it. And I'm just going to go and have a coffee, says God, while you do all the waiting over there. It's a, it's a relationship that we're in with God. And he invites us to partner with him in the waiting for a greater cause and a, a greater sense of life than we can even imagine. So this morning, um, well, actually, over the last little while, Nicole and I, due to the um, vocation space that God's got us walking in with our lives right now, it means we have to do a lot of travel. It means we're on aeroplanes a lot. Now, airports are very interesting environments, if you've, you've probably been in them. And some airports you can walk into and they're very peaceful. Some airports you walk into and they are just like high anxiety environments. Everyone's on edge. And it's amazing, it's amazing how impatient people are to get on an aeroplane. They've been given a time schedule They've been given a, a to, they're being told over the loud hailers, the plane is going to be leaving at this time. Um, and yet, when it comes to that moment where they say, we're now going to board the plane, it's like people are impatient with each other to get on an aeroplane. Have you seen that? It's crazy. I'm like, the plane's going to take off. What's the rush? Just find your place and... Walk on on, <laughs> you know, walk on into the plane. But people, like, I have seen, like, serious character leak out of people about their inability to actually allow someone else on the plane in front of them. It's like, how dare that person? Or even, even someone might, like, you know, there's a queue. We like queues here in Australia where people that queue... You catch a plane in Asia, there's no such thing as a queue. It's just all in at one time and you find your place in the middle of that. Or if you catch a train in New York, there's no such thing as a queue. It's just everyone's on. And it's so, you know, culture plays a part of this. But I am amazed at how people manifest their internal life when someone else skips in front of them on the queue. Uh, there's a few sm wry smiles across the room right now. And it may not just be in air airports and lines in airports. I'm like, it may be the line at, you know, McDonald's or the bar. I think I was at the bar before he was. It's like this impatience 
and this intolerance to actually wait leaks out of people. And one of the things that um, God invites us to in partnering with him in coming alive to being the people of the kingdom means that God's trying to model to the world a better way to wait for the promises of God. Some of you are probably thinking, what time is he going to finish this this morning? I don't know if I can wait that long. (laughs) No promises, but I will land it. I've seen over the last little while in catching aeroplanes the amazing immaturity and the brokenness of human character when you actually have to wait perhaps another 60 seconds. And then there's, the, then there's people, even in this room, who God has laid on their heart promise of vision and purpose and kingdom of future. And they haven't been waiting for two minutes. They've had to wait for 20 years. And in the process of that, God is inviting you to partner with him for what he has said he would bring. You know, Nicole and I, just um, <laughs> ever, since, uh, ever since we said yes to Jesus and yes to following him together and yes to serving him in kingdom life, he has placed massive vision in us. I mean massive vision. We are not short on vision, let me tell you. Jesus has like fully consumed us on that one. We're not short on vision. And yet, 25 years now, we've been walking together with Jesus, stewarding that vision for his greater glory. And it's not so much the arrival. It's not even how long we have to wait. It's how we do the waiting that testifies to the goodness of God. It's how we live the life of following God in the waiting. I wish I might, you know, some of us are in this room right now thinking, I wish I could just get set free of this behavioural attitude and reactive way about my life toward people. Some of us may even have in our, our flesh this addictive um, just hunger for life and yet it's been turned over to other stuff. And we're just like, I've been battling with this forever and I'm waiting for deliverance. It's how do we do the waiting that tells us who we belong to and whose power is at work in the journey. See, the kingdom life is this amazing tension between living in the fullness of God's kingdom now in Jesus. Can't get any more powerful. Jesus is king of all things. And yet all things haven't woken up yet to the reality that Jesus is king. There's a lot of things going on in the earth. There's a lot of things going on in our community. There's a lot of things going on in our own lives that says we're still waiting for the fullness of the king to shape our lives. It's in the waiting. It's how do we do the waiting. 
have our lives become so important and so significant that we can't wait two minutes to board an aeroplane, where we have these expressions of intolerance and impatience and anger. Have our lives been, you know, become so important and so selfish for so long that over 20 years we're still angry, we're still impatient and we're still um, blaming others for the unfulfilled sense of God in our life. The, result, the, the, the reality is we're living in a time and a culture of immediacy and speed like never before. Immediacy and speed. We can have anything at our fingertips at any time right now. Like Scott could be sitting there right now and inside probably 20 minutes, a guy will walk in there with a pizza and deliver it to him in the front row. Immediate. You just, you want it, you can have it. There is amazing benefit to that. But there's also, with that, has come the side of the coin where people have an intolerance and an inability to wait. Our culture has an inability to wait. And yet one of the most powerful fruits of the evidence of the Spirit of God living within us is patience. The world's crying out for a people who would live a better story, a story of patience. Because when we live in the place of patience, we're actually acknowledging lordship is not our own self. We're acknowledging that God is king and he can have his way. And yet in his kindness, he draws us up into all that he's doing and we can find our place in that. What about us here today as the people of Jesus? How do we, how are we responding in the transitional seasons that God's got our lives in right here, right now? How are we going in the waiting? Waiting for the answer, waiting for the shift, waiting for the breakthrough, waiting for the deliverance, waiting for the healing, waiting for the reconciliation. How are we going in the waiting How's the tolerance levels of partnering with God in the waiting? How's the fruit of the Holy Spirit and his patience alive in us in the waiting? How are we putting on the reality of Jesus is on display in the waiting for his kingdom to come? God's calling us individually God's calling us corporately here at PRV into a journey of his renewing love in this season. And there are kingdom realities that he's promised us as a people that he wants to bring us into. God is raising sons and daughters of his and he's growing us up into the maturity of the reality of Jesus alive in us so that with the character and the love of Jesus, we can walk in the power of kingdom life and promise. But often this is determined not by how long we are able to wait, but how we actually go about waiting. Like a servant in the restaurant whose responsibility it is to wait on those that are sitting at the table 
to look after our needs, to make sure that our cup is full and the wine continues to flow and the, the meat is or the, the, the meal is warm. Is everything okay? How are we waiting on the Lord as he envisions us for his kingdom, his purposes, his greater glory? How are we going about the waiting on the Lord? If you've got your Bible with you, why don't you open it up to Psalm uh, 119. Psalm 119. 81, verse 81. My soul faints with longing for salvation. But I've put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. Note that that word promise there, your promise, is not about my preferred future that I want you to fulfill for me, God, that we often project onto him to tell him how we think life should be. But it's about his kingdom. It's about his greater plan to see all of his creation get restored to him and people come alive to God and the power of the enemy broken for off their lives. My eyes fail looking for your promise and I say, when will you comfort me? Notice how waiting is an uncomfortable reality. Though I'm like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? It's interesting, the posture of the psalmist as they're writing here, the posture of a servant, the posture of kingdom waiting is always towards God. It's always the orientation is towards God, not away from God. In the waiting, the Spirit of God will always lead us deeper into the things of the Father's heart. In the waiting, it's not that the, the, the pressure is resolved. It's the fact that the pressure drives us towards what our soul is longing for rather than what our flesh or the enemy wants to satisfy us with. Job 14, 14 reads, All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. I'll wait for my renewal to come. Some of us are going to have to learn how to wait to be renewed in the things of God. So this morning, I just want to quickly talk about some of the identifiers, some of the marks, some of the things of what it means to live a life of waiting on the Lord in the seasons of our, of our life and transition. I'm going to start this this week. I'll finish it next week. But I just want to pull apart that word wait, W-A-I-T, wait on the Lord. Firstly, I want to talk about how's your life of worship in this season? How's your life of worship in this season of having to wait on the Lord? For me, when the pressure comes on, one of the ways that I worship the Lord and, 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 and tell my 
my mind, tell my will, tell my body to worship God when the pressure is on is I put my headphones on, I pump up the worship, and I go for a walk. Now, that's just how I do that. But there'll be a way for each of us, that unique way, that unique place, that unique space where you know you meet with the Lord. And the reason why I walk is because sometimes for me to sit still is hard. And so I have to get my body busy so that my head and my heart can be free to engage with the voice of my Father. We all have these unique ways. Some of us really love to sit still. And we meet with the Lord like that. But when Jesus found himself in a pressurised circumstance, after the Father had spoken over his life, kingdom identity, kingdom purpose, and and empowered him with the Holy Spirit after his baptism to go, the Spirit led him into the battle. And he found himself in the desert being tested. And that testing was a waiting period. And in the waiting, he was he, the, the contest became real. The enemy drew near and said, all this, I can give it to you. All this hunger, I can satisfy that. Just give me your worship. The first thing that's always up for grabs in the waiting is who, to who or to what will we give our worship? The who? Well, are you going to give the worship to yourself? Are you going to be Lord in this moment? Are you going to give it to the enemy? Agree with his thoughts, his agendas, his powers, his influences, his ways. They're real. We all know that. We all walk in contest against that. Or are you going to give it to the Lord? Who will you give your worship to in the waiting? Or to what will you give your worship? Will you give it to the idea that if I could just upgrade the car, that will make everything right? Or if I could just get an increase in my superannuation guarantee, will that make it all right? Or if I could just get this debt resolved, will that make it all right? To what are we giving our worship? Because in the what Those those inanimate what's become idols that we're bowing down to, to give our worship to and proclaiming them as Lord and not Jesus. So in the waiting, or even it may even just be like a an idolized picture of what you think your family should look like. Come on. What do you think the culture of the world says about how a family should look instead of Jesus? To what will you give? To who will you give your worship? Because it's your worship to give. I don't think we really get the power of that. I I, I don't think we really understand the implications of the power of what God has invested to us to be able to freely ascribe authority to and lordship to. 
Who, who are we going to give our worship to when the pressure's on? Well, Jesus in that context in Luke 4, in the desert, while the enemy's pressing in hard and saying, hey, just give it to me and it'll all go away. Jesus' response is, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, you've got to not listen to that response of Jesus as he is Jesus, God. No, in that moment, he is Jesus, fully human being, under the grace of the Holy Spirit and the Father's declared identity, just like you and I. We can choose who we give our worship to in the waiting. Learning to wait on the Lord while he brings about his kingdom in our lives and on the earth is often a contest of great spiritual battle. And this is the first pressure point in the testing that will always be on the front edge is our life of worship. Who will you give your worship to in the waiting? The increase of the context and the pressure will be an invitation from God if we would listen for it. If we would just listen for the invitation from God in the pressure of the moment, the invitation to lean more intentionally and purposefully into who he says we are in that moment. We run from pressure. We run from contest. We run from conflict. We run from the intensity. But the reason why we run is because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. We lean into God in the pressure. Is a sign of understanding. Oh no, I, I know who I belong to. I know who I belong to in this great spiritual contest of daily living. Worship acknowledges the cry of the soul, the cry of the heart, the cry of the will, the mind and the flesh for the longing reality of God. How long, God, will we have to wait? Worship is one of our highest values and practices here at the Vineyard. We love to worship God. We worship, we choose to intentionally take time to foster a culture of worship. Sometimes people go, how do you guys do that for so long? What, what, 30 minutes is long? Sometimes it just takes that long to actually get out of the cloud of demonic activity that's been buzzing around our life for a week since the last time we got together. Sometimes it just takes that long for our head to finally just be still and come under the, under the kindness of God and let God order our thoughts. Sometimes it just takes that long for us to actually then allow the defensive nature that we've been living in all week to actually rest in the presence of God's goodness. It's a bit like turning on the tap on the side of the house, isn't it? It's been sitting there all day in the sun. You've got to turn the tap on, but before the cold water gets there to the end of the hose, there's all this hot water. It's got to get out of the system. It's got to get flushed out, get flushed out, get flushed out, and then the cool comes. I find that whenever I'm washing the car. You know, it's like, or I finished like yesterday after, afternoon. I got home just in time to try and mow the jungle in my backyard. And as I was mowing the jungle in my back backyard, I finished, I was completely dehydrated and drenched, and I just thought, oh, you beauty. And I 
turned the hose on and I was just like, ah, that's just hot. It's awful. But I just sort of hung in there for a while and then the cool came. And I was like, oh, that's good. Sometimes that's what worship is like. For us as a people, that's why sometimes it's noisy, it's crazy, it's like people are unfocused, people are like here, there and everywhere in the room and then all of a sudden. Did you notice that this morning? There was one of those corporate all of a sudden's where the Holy Spirit came. It was like third song in. All for you, Jesus. John just starts, all for you, Jesus. Nathan headed it up and John was in there too. But it was like, all of a sudden it was just like everything demonic just went shh. Everything else that was buying for our attention just went and hearts became aware of the presence of the living God. That's why we take a bit of time to worship. It, because it takes us that time to actually realise we're in the presence of God. God is kind. He's patient. He waits for us to bring him our worship. We love to worship here in the vineyard. We realise the power of the contest. We realise the power of the invitation from the Father. Worship, attitude. Who are we really when we're not trying to be religious? I mean, who are we really? One of the things I just, you know, (laughs) one of the blessings about where um, Nicole and I, some of the spaces where Nicole and I are working at the moment around the world is that we're... We keep hearing these same stories. doesn't matter what culture it is or what language it is. We keep hearing these same stories of people's commentary about this particular movement of people in the earth called the vineyard. And one of the, one of the stories that we just keep hearing over and over and over again, it's, and it's our story too, is that the vineyard is a place where people can leave their religion at the door and they can just be who they really are. There's, there's invitation for that. You don't have to perform. You don't have to impress. You don't have to anything. What, you do, what we do have, very peculiar in terms of the grace of God that's on, that's on this movement of people called the vineyard, is this great joy and freedom to be able to come as you are. And it's in the coming as we are and we're set free from the power of religion and our hearts come alive to God that we begin to realise that the Holy Spirit wants to have a conversation with us individually and corporately. And he starts to work on those in his kindness. (laughs) He works on those things that in us are just out of whack and offline or wrong thinking or sinful attitudes or mindsets. God is constantly wanting to shape us into the life of Jesus who now lives and rules and reigns in us. The righteousness of God in us. It's not just about a a posturing like, oh, okay, I'm in right 
I'm in right order relationship with God now. It's about a state of being. It's like my heart is right now before God because of Jesus. It's our soul, it's our mind, it's our will, it's our body that needs to come into the freedom of that truth. And one of the things that God keeps journeying with me on in that way with regards to my attitude is as a husband and as a father. He's constantly inviting me to wait on him every day so that I can partner with him in the shaping of healthy attitudes in myself, in my marriage relationship with Nicole, and that out of that would flow such a life that it empowers her to become everything God's called her to be. Where I find my significance by not being the centre, but by allowing Jesus to be Lord and partnering with him for her great life. How's your attitude today on that, Kirk? I want to make it all about me. (laughs) I'm a bit tired of this, Lord. Oh, well, let's work on that, Kirk. God's constantly inviting me into a place of... um, partnering with him that the attitude of Jesus might be in me with regards to the way I care for and speak over and parent my children in a cultural landscape and time where things are shifting so quickly that they don't know their their head from their toes where culture is shifting so fast that it's like is there any is there truth is there no truth where they're being told from all points and arguments and philosophies and media streams and, and, and social interactivity online that's hyper fueled by, by just the agendas of darkness, to loving them, shaping them, speaking over them, who the Father says they are, being patient with them, waiting on the Lord for them, partnering with the Holy Spirit for them. How are we going with that, guys? How's your attitude in that space, in that moment? What about with work? Oh, God, if only that work colleague would just, like, ping off. I'm sick of working with them. How's the attitude? How's the attitude? Now, this one's going to get pressed in the next couple of weeks. How's your attitude if the person and people that get elected to be the people to govern the well-being of our nation for the next season isn't the people you voted for? How's your attitude going to be there? Press, press, come on. We live from Jesus, for Jesus, unto Jesus, no matter who's in power. Sure, they've got some influence in the economy and the philosophy and the cultural nuances of what our land is, is, is being shaped into becoming, but where's the voice of the prophetic heart of the Father from the people of Jesus that don't give lordship to political powers but give lordship to Christ and say, hey, we're praying for you. We're praying for you that you'll be invaded by this love of, and reality of God. We're praying that he'll disturb you and shape you and influence you with ways that you have no understanding about. But because we're connected to the one who rules and reigns forevermore, we are like, you've got to understand, we are plugged into a higher authority. 
no matter what the kings of the world might say, no matter what the influences in the earth and the demonic wants to have through those institutions and powers and even through institutions of religion, Jesus is Lord, is he not? (laughs) How's your attitude when people in power aren't the ones you put there? Oh, Jesus, help me love them like you do. Help me honour them like you do. Help me speak your kingdom over them like you do. I esteem them to you, God. Come on, guys. We're bigger than this. We're of the kingdom of God. But in the waiting, it's how are we doing the waiting? Helping my family in in all of the kindness of provision to our life is let's never forget the poor. Helping uh, Helping our family just constantly have a healthy response and engagement with those who are in authority. If you want to have authority in your life, you've got to understand how to live under authority to be in it. How are we helping to mobilise and equip and shape with our attitude as the Christ in us, through us, to shape a generation of spiritual-like influences through our children's ministry and our youth ministry here at the Vineyard and the young adults that are jetting all over the world out of this place and bringing Jesus And what about me? How am I carrying the people around me that I live with and walk amongst in my heart when no one else is looking? How am I carrying you in my heart when no one else is looking? How are you carrying me in your heart when no one else is looking. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is actively partnering with the Father for our, from our true identity in Christ that we might flourish and be a people of great kingdom consequence in the earth. It's this place of seeing God grow us up into sonship and daughtership of the Father of our Lord Jesus, that we might bring the attitudes of the heart of God into the challenges, into the contests that our world spends so much time invested in, that we might lean deeper into God, into Jesus, that his righteousness through us would touch people with the kingdom of God. Paul wrote this. Um, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. To give God our heart is to say, your attitude 
alive in me. Your attitude alive in me. How's the attitude going? In learning to wait on God and see his spirit move in our lives, the Father is bringing alive in us the attitude of Christ. And just to finish with, there's this um, great scripture from James. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Be patient then, brothers. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crop. Just have a think about all of the people over the years who have spoken into your life and mine something of the seeds of the kingdom of God, the heart of the Father. Even God himself in those quiet moments where you know he's reached into you and placed something of the power of his love and kingdom deep within you. And those people and God have just had to wait, wait, wait for that seed to come alive in you and through you. Gosh, I think of the litany of people that God had around my life and continues to have around my life, and they are like interceding like all of heaven. God, Kirk, needs you. Believe me, God, Kirk needs you. And they're sowing into me the kingdom in those intercessions. And then they're like, oh, come on, God, would you just help him get past that? Would you help him get over that? Would you help him come alive into you? Help God. The litany of people that have just prayed continually for me, I give thanks to God for them. And I also give God thanks for the patience that he's placed in them to keep praying for me. Don't give up on your kids. Do not give up on your kids. Do not give up on your grandchildren. Do not give up. Keep praying and wait patiently like the farmer for that seed to break the ground and see the life come. Don't give up on your marriages. Don't give up on the people around you at work that you have a hard time being near. Don't give up on the people in this place that you find it hard to be near. Don't give up. Wait patiently on the Lord. Let the attitude of God in you shape your prayers for the well-being of others and in the same light, God, change me, Lord. Make me more like Jesus. You can tell when someone's living in a really great attitudinal space with God. Isaiah, whoops, I've been pushing the buttons here, haven't I? Isaiah says this, here's the evidence of those who wait on the Lord. Isaiah said, people of the kingdom who wait on the Lord, they look like this. 
Those that wait on the Lord have renewed strength. Those who wait on the Lord, they mount up, they have a sense of being lifted up above the, the, the cares and the infrastructure and the demonic forces of this world. They get lifted up and have an eagle-eye view of life. They have a capacity to see far and with great detail. And they're not consumed with the, the unresolved of the right now and the tension of having to wait They're lifted up by partnering with God and they can see. Great vision, people of great vision. Oh, we want to be people, bigger vision, Lord. Give us bigger vision. They run and they don't get weary. Wow. They walk and they don't faint. That's what waiting looks like in the presence of the Lord. That's what a lifestyle of waiting looks like. Worship and attitude. I'll pick up the other two, the I and the T. I'll pick it up next week. I'll pick it up next week. 